0: Hello everyone, welcome to the, I was going to say Time to Talk podcast, but that's not who we are, we're See Me, the See Me <laughs> themed Time to Talk podcast, or I guess could could we just do Time to Talk, w- would you rather See Me themed or Time to Talk themed every podcast?
1: Time to Talk themed! Time to Talk? Yeah, it's more because we're talking and not and, looking.
2: And Time to Talk day, Time to Talk is every day. <laughs> It is. <laughs> I like the fact that you've also completely kind of uh, gone against a trend where every kind of mental health charity and like individual did all their Time to Talk podcasts before Time to Talk Day, whereas you're going to go afterwards yep. just
0: to play with the uh, the standard. Yeah, I mean, I think we can. It's because I really wanted to reflect ah, on the day yeah. and talk about things, and we got all this little interesting stats and research and all these things and. Dee abandoned me to go to Canada so she wasn't here <laughs> to record so basically it's all Dee's fault
1: yeah but I t- was taking time to talk internationally that was the that was the <laughs> how idea how did that go it was great people yeah. were
2: I've got an image of you like walking through the airport <laughs> with we like a banner yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. talk it's, to me no but weirdly enough I, like people were like what are you doing and I was like oh time to talk stuff and they were like what's that and I was like well this is what it is people were like yeah. never yeah. heard of that so, it's taking cool. it to Canada yeah we to take it to Canada because
2: America has a Time to Talk Day this week, next, the week after, because yeah. every so often I kept looking up when Time to Talk Day was, and then telling people the wrong date, and then realised, like, you typed it into Google,
1: <laughs> it gave you the American yeah. date,
0: yeah. but yeah.
1: So, Mental Health Commissioner Canada, will combine. Yeah,
0: speak to Mike, Mike yeah. Pe- hey. Petrus.
1: Big Mike. that's his name, isn't it? Yeah. yeah,
0: get involved with that. Brilliant, so how did you guys find Time to Talk Day, as this is a reflective Time to Talk podcast, <laughs> not... Uh, I thought. I,
2: do you know what? It was really good having obviously lived down in England, where it's, um, it's it's a really big it's a really big deal down there. And I think this was a year. This, this year, I really felt like there was the same impact up here, which is really great. Um, but what's really amazing about that is it's all kind of come from it's all come from see me. And you know, we're a smaller team, and we're we we have less resources, or whatever. But actually, we're having a really big impact, and that's through all our amazing volunteers, kind of getting involved. Um, so yeah.
0: I, I was yeah, I was over the moon with it. I was loving how well the volunteer involvement this year was amazing. Some really cool stuff. Obviously, well, we'll talk about the times to talk tour later, but really liked the finger painting through yeah. in Dundee that Kaya put on.
1: Yeah, that was cool. That
0: is, um, although I wasn't there, that is kind of my highlight. <laughs> I would like. Yeah, I'd love to. Have, have you seen? Um, so, if for anyone obviously doesn't know what that was, so Kaya basically used. Just set up a sort of area in her university for finger painting, encourage people to come along and finger paint and chat about mental health.
1: Who, who went to that? Uh, Tom team. went and joined us from like, he Tom. got fully involved as well. I know, but he was saying, like, this was, compared to everyone else, he was like, oh, some people were like throwing out some really cool bits of art, and Tom was just like, uh, my, <laughs> my son, to go home to my son, and he was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> done dad, That's good. That's yeah,
2: <laughs> but like, but what was brilliant about that was, I mean, um, I think it was one of our later events to kind of be planned, and we we had our great winter gathering, and and um, we had like a little session about what people could do for time to talk day, and we were just like, what type of things could happen? And Kai just had this wonderfully fully formed, really simple idea. Yeah. And um, and that was that was only December, and you know got it all together in the last couple of weeks and it's so easy to do and it was that nice thing about okay we want people to come and talk and have conversations but actually you want it to be hosted around something and the act of just doing the finger painting was a really great idea
0: it was it was brilliant and that is what works those simple ideas that just people can do something it's almost a distraction that allows you to then have a conversation which makes the conversation seem less daunting yeah which is really good and some other great stuff we saw on social media was Apologies, the pronunciation is DL Rugby Club.
1: Is that how it does? I
0: think so. Someone called me and said it, and I think that's how they said it. Because
1: I've been calling it DZL. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) which I didn't think sounded all that Scottish, so I think it's DL. Um, But they had uh, a sort of community touch rugby session, and they all had See Me t-shirts as well, and they got loads of people to come down and play a bit of rugby and then chat about mental health, which was really great. What were your highlights, Dee?
1: Again, similar to you, just kind of seeing the the scope of people that were getting involved on on social was really really cool. Especially all the schools, like the schools really got involved. So I think Holy Cross High School were doing lots with their staff and their pupils, which was really really cool to see. And um, Keith Grammar did a lot as well. Our partners, Stigma Free Lanarkshire, got involved. Uh, we had Aston Hamilton doing stuff, and um, the Law Society. So I think just seeing how many people took it on board and kind of hosted their own events um, in their workplaces and schools and communities just seems like so much bigger and better than it has been over the last few years, so that was awesome to see. And then, I was going to say, what what uh, made you go, to, oh, do we had a wee uh, teary-up moment yesterday. Um, there's a, a nursing home that did a wee time to talk, yeah, uh Thing in, their, in their home and Nancy, she had a wee knitting session which I thought was really, really sweet. Aww. Which is kind of proof that like what we're doing is yeah. accessible to everybody of all ages, yeah. all places.
2: And yeah. it, I mean, just, you were saying about kind of the impact but you guys, had like, you guys obviously prepare all the packs that people can apply for. Now, you guys did like a crazy amount more than normal this year or something? We did, right?
0: yeah. So, a previous record or what we had most which was last year we had 300 packs ordered last year and that was the most we'd had and then this year we had 662 so that's 662 different organizations workplaces schools healthcare practices doing an activity or an event for time to talk day which was amazing we were so excited about that because and also slightly scared at yeah. just the amount of times we had to put, find more budget for printing materials. <laughs> it was worth it, but yeah, because we had predicted we were going to get roughly the same, maybe go up a little bit, but to more than double it this year. And I think it shows what you mentioned at the beginning, Davy, that it really feels like it was it's taken off a lot more in Scotland this year and that kind of interaction has been great. And we got loads of really great response from the media as well. One of our volunteers, Jen, um, was on bbc scotland uh, she got a six fifty in the morning interview so she had an early wake up call to start time to talk day and then uh, bbc radio scotland also did a full time to talk hour from 9 till 10 which uh, wendy our director was on there along with gail porter who was sharing her experiences related to a documentary that she's recently done for bbc and had lots of people calling in so just to see some of like, the bigger media organizations taking us on board mm-hmm. and not just promoting what we're promoting and like the research and the stats but to actually see them doing something proactive and encourage they're encouraging people to talk to call up and talk and use a phone in as a time to talk thing which I thought was really exciting yeah that was re- I had a, a really great chat with Wendy when um, she turned up at your event later on um,
2: just about cause the, the kind of engagement from that one hour and just how the conversation just flowed as well like it wasn't heavily structured or anything It was just a really great conversation um that people were people were listening to and uh, like people were calling in and stuff and it was brilliant
0: it was yeah and it was it started the day well and we had the research that we'd done for this year which i thought was really interesting we were looking this year about why you avoid a conversation on mental health and did the same research across the whole of the uk uh and we found up in Scotland that 28% of people um, would put off speaking to a friend who's struggling with their mental health to avoid having an awkward conversation. And then 39% would put it off for fear of saying the wrong thing. So you've got just under and just over a third of people there who just wouldn't have a conversation with a friend who they thought was struggling because they're worried about having that conversation. Um, and then on the flip side of that, 51% of people saying that if they were struggling with the mental health themselves, they prefer not to tell anyone about it even if they thought that it would be helpful to speak to someone and I don't know what you guys think about that like does that surprise you or from what we are seen regularly it's that kind of s- sad but what you'd expect
1: I think it does and it doesn't I think obviously working where we do and doing what we do every day you know we we have those conversations quite regularly but I can imagine that kind of the stigma around that the self-stigma being. been okay, how do, I, how do I talk about this and what do I say and what are people going to think and how is it going to be res- responded to and also, what if I say the wrong thing to somebody, you know, there's mm-hmm. still a lot of fear around that, when in reality, you know, we know, like we were saying it, it's just having conversations that aren't structured and just seeing mm-hmm. how it goes and, and not kind of worrying
2: I think that's one of the big things that's really kind of great about the work we're doing when we talk to people is more and more people are kind of highlighting the issue of okay, so it's okay to talk, but how do I listen? And, um, and I think that's a really valid point. There's, there's a lot of fear that, uh, fear that people think there has to be something, like a really serious way about doing it. They think it's a complicated thing to do. And obviously there are certain conversations where certain skills are great and there's lots of, um, there's lots of training and stuff you can do to kind of support people who are struggling but the actual listening itself is, is simply just that, just listening. And it's a great skill that people are doing. And like I would love it if Time To Talk Today kind of focused on the listening aspect like next year or something. Because the great thing about Time To Talk Day is it's not necessarily specifically mental illness, it's everybody should talk, everybody has mental health, and everybody can listen. And um, I think, so I'm not surprised by the, the stats about people not wanting to have that conversation. This just comes down to that fear of what if I say the wrong thing or what if
0: I don't do the right thing and helping encouraging people to listen is yeah. going to solve that and or will help that giving tips on how to open that conversation last year around Times to talk down to the tour Karen and Suzanne went out and they're asking people what makes a good conversation and I think a lot of that stuff this year was really helpful if you are in that position you're worried about someone but you're worried about it being awkward or you're going to say the wrong thing what you've said there david listening is huge um letting the person know that if they can talk to you it's going to remain confidential showing empathy kindness having a conversation like a safe comfortable space all these things that just kind of you would naturally have in a important personal conversation anyway but it's no different in this case and something else that we found from the stats that 75 percent of people said that if someone asked them how are you doing and you weren't doing well 75 percent said they're just saying fine anyway because that's what people do and it links in see with time to talk time to change our partner organization had that big campaign last year the ask twice one around and i think that's a really important message as well if someone says they're fine they might not be and if you don't think they are like ask them in a real genuine way and just mm-hmm. let them know that they can talk we had, uh, had a really interesting conversation with one of our volunteers, Jen, about uh, when she's been strong with women's health, feeling like she can't tell anyone and um, almost feeling a bit embarrassed about it and then also the impact on her her brother Callum, who's a rapper uh, he went by the name of Lumo, he did some stuff for us volunteered with us a few years ago he sadly took his own life um, and she also chatted to me a bit about the impact that had in people avoiding talking to her around that. So we've got a little bit of that coming up now, just Jen speaking about her experiences.
3: I think when I was younger, it was very difficult. When when I was in my sort of late teens, early 20s, I didn't think there was anyone to speak to. I didn't want to speak to anybody. I didn't think my mum and dad would understand. Um, I had seek, uh, I had went to the doctor and had been sort of palmed off. That was a sort of antidepressant route. Um, I was put on to sort of counselling, but when I had went to speak to a counsellor, it was like workbooks I was given. Nobody was really interested in finding what the root of the problem was. So for me, it, it, I found it very difficult to speak to people. But eventually, I had a massive low and I had no choice but to speak to a friend. And once I'd opened up to one person, they had actually spoke to my mum and dad on my behalf. Which at the time, I was, I, I was, I, I thought they had betrayed my trust. But looking back now. If they hadn't, then I think my situation could have got a whole lot worse.
0: So did you avoid telling people about what you were feeling? I
3: did. I did. I think I was sort of in denial. I didn't think that. I, I didn't think that I wanted to. I didn't think by sharing my problem it would have made it better. So I kind of kept it to myself. Um, I've always been quite an independent person. I've always thought that I can fix problems on my own. And when I, I sort of realised that I couldn't. I was embarrassed, I think, more than anything else about having to ask people to... and not necessarily do anything for me in terms of help me with anything that was a sort of physical thing that they could have, but inside my head, I, I didn't really know what was going on, and I couldn't find a path through to to being feeling better, feeling happy again. And by having to ask, it, it felt like I had sort of failed. I felt like I'd failed myself. And then eventually, when I did speak to a friend after it, just getting to a point where I thought I was really going to do myself some damage, um, I realised that, that if I had done that sort of weeks before, I could have saved myself a lot of lot of grief and a lot of probably emotional problems that like, that lasted for a whole lot longer than if I'd tackled it a bit earlier.
0: It was obviously such a huge thing. I was kind of taking his own life. Yeah. Wife. and then that's going to have a massive impact on your mental health health, all of your family and stuff and again that's when people kind of need to talk and support and conversations and did you find that people then avoided talking about that because I imagine that's an area where people really would worry about saying the wrong thing
3: and just want to avoid it again. so yeah when it's like a sort of different I think with everything that was going on the support from it kind of turned the tables a bit so I'm used to having them to support me but then I realised that it was actually me that had to support them and my friends, the 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 close group, were very good, but other people who knew the story would just completely avoid me. Like I remember walking down the city centre, and I seen someone I knew, and they literally seen me, made eye contact, and walked the other way so that they didn't need to speak to me because it's it's a very difficult conversation to have with anyone. But all I wanted was to talk about it because for me. It, it helped, it really does, and it still helps now, the more I, I sort of tell the story, it's therapeutic because I know that people know and I'd rather they, they kind of realise that I know that they know, so they, they, we, we, that we can speak about it because by not and by not sharing your story and by not kind of keeping it going you're sort of in denial that it's actually happened so I think by, by speaking about it and telling as many people that will listen and it, it makes me feel better and I don't know if it's not the same for everyone some people never want to speak about their loss but for me it's it's very important because for me it's a sort of that's where I find sort of relief
0: do you think that it's important whether someone I'm trying to think of a way of wording this but obviously for you it helps to talk mm-hmm. about it for other people it might not but do you think it's important that if someone has been through that that people ask them how they are to give them that opportunity to yeah. give them that option to talk about yeah anything I, want
3: to. I think when you're feeling like that you'll you'll have good days and bad days and some days I don't want to talk about it some days it's the, the furthest thing from my mind if there's been something possibly in the morning or there's been a memory and I'm like oh I just don't want to have to sp- I, I don't even want to have to speak to anybody today never mind tell them how I'm feeling because if they ask I'm gonna say I feel terrible <laughs> it's, it's the worst day I'm today is not the day but on other days by asking the question how are you feeling sometimes you go well do you know what today I'm feeling good yesterday not so good but I'm getting there but if someone didn't ask I think if you were having a, a really bad day and you just want to speak to someone it's it makes you feel worse you, you think that you, you are kind of grieving and people know that you're grieving and why are they are not asking how you're feeling even though it's a sort of obvious answer sometimes people just don't ask the question well you've
0: obviously been in a position where you've not felt able to tell people or not wanted to tell people, do you think that, would you encourage people to talk about it or would you encourage other people to really be vigilant and looking out for their mates and their family and their colleagues or whoever it was, just trying to see anything?
3: I, I think you need to. I think it, it's very important for everyone to look after each other because... It can be difficult when you're in that position. I held off for weeks and weeks and weeks without even... It got to the point where I wouldn't even speak, like, not even to anyone. Like, physically, no words would come out of my mouth because I didn't know what to say to anyone. I was didn't even know how to tell my mum what I wanted for dinner. Like, there, there was no conversation because I let myself get so deep into my, my own problems. But if someone had maybe came around to me and asked me the question or... Like, approach me or took, take me out for the day where I had no choice but to speak to them when it was just me and them away from everything else I, I think it wouldn't have taken me so long or I wouldn't have got to the low that I did because I would have opened up and it might not have been the first time that they did it it might not have been the second but I think eventually it probably would have worn me down that I would have had a moment of just clarity and went, Do you know what, it's terrible things are really bad, I don't want to be here anymore I need somebody's help. Whether it's I don't care. I don't. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer is. But someone needs to help me. I think, I think talking is one of the best things you can do. I think if, if my brother had spoke to more people, I think it could have helped. If it, as a family we had known how bad it was, I think we really could have done something about it. Um, but not knowing and not spotting the signs, and again, just thinking that someone's having a bit of a bad day or a bit of a bad week or even a bit of a bad couple of months. People shouldn't be having bad months. You have a bad day, that happens. There can be episodes of grief after an event, but there should be a moment of lifting and that should kind of not stop, but it, it should get better. And if it's not and you're seeing someone around you sort of spiralling or you're noticing things that have, that have changed that you've never seen before, you need to speak to someone you need to speak to them or as if you are the person in that position you you really need to try and reach out to anyone who you think might listen.
0: A really uh, powerful I guess interview with Jen there and Jen joined us at the National Portrait Gallery on Time to Talk Day itself where we had a big old event there D, what what did we do?
1: So we had sweeties no. uh, so That was we, a highlight. Yeah. Having tonics. So we had tonics and millions. And millions. So the tonics are gone. Uh, Davy took the last box. Two to,
2: to see me proud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Davy says he took the box to see me. Proud. I may have helped myself to another two, but no, <laughs> we what, took him to see me proud.
1: So what was the see me proud was a quiz, right? Because we did, we didn't talk about.
2: Yeah, so, well, do you know, what See Me Proud are, um, they're part of LGBT Health and Wellbeing and they have their own champions, uh, which is absolutely brilliant, so we kind of helped train them up and oh, they're so engaged and it's, it's brilliant. So they organised a, because it's LGBT History Month, they organised a quiz about LGBT history, but also because it was in the, the Project Cafe, it was about having conversations. Now that was the kind of beginning of all the terrible weather we've been having. So, uh, in the end, there was only about seven or eight of us there, just because it was so windy. So actually, we just kind of sat down and had some really nice conversations. So, How many
1: tonics each? Did you?
2: <laughs> they have half a box left that I said they can keep for uh, cool. for further for further because they're gonna they're gonna do the quiz another night, which is really great. But it was great because like even even when like you know the event didn't go as they maybe initially planned. Um, it was a great thing that he's kind of like no but we're all here and it's like let's get a coffee and it's soon as outside and let's all have a chat yeah. it's really good do I you like know. my
1: wee segue there I like it's it it's a good, yeah. good segue it was And um, yeah, so sorry. Yeah, so, we had a, an event on <laughs> Time to Talk Day at the oh, National yeah. Gallery <laughs> at the National Gallery, um, where we had a day of music, mental health, and art. So we had one of our volunteers, Sean, who came up with an art tour um, around the gallery based on mental health and how to have conversations and engaging people through using artwork, which was really really cool. Um, and also, we had harmony choir performing. We that had amazing. our, which yeah, that was really cool. We had our very own chris grant Woo. who just
0: played forever helpfully unfortunately we had someone who couldn't make it on the day chris said he'd step in and just play until we told him to stop and i think he played for a full hour straight
1: and yeah. he was so good so good he was so good I no fan girl.
0: <laughs> yeah and just he knows so many songs it wasn't until afterwards that i realized that i hadn't given him a break to stop playing i was like wow, oh, he's just he just knows all these songs and he had one night's notice so he was brilliant I know that was also a good opportunity we had um, Ashley one of our friends down there who's created a, a virtual reality experience of anxiety based partly on her own experiences but she worked with lots of our volunteers on trying to come up with an experience of anxiety and quite clearly it's not this is what anxiety is like, but this is what it can be like. And it worked really hard over a couple of years and then worked with BBC to create this VR experience. And she brought that down there to start conversations. And it started some really interesting ones as well. Um, so there was quite a few people, um, who before they'd done it were pretty skeptical around, basically its potential to be really triggering mm. and perhaps not a medium to explore something like that through. Um, And then I heard two or three people saying that, a couple of people speaking to me about it, and then they all did it, they decided they wanted to do it and try it out, and all of them, when they finished it, were really impacted in a positive way by it, and saying how great it was, how helpful it was, how it kind of did reflect things, but how it could be a really good tool for someone who hasn't experienced anything to try it out, and then see a little bit... What it could be like, but also to know importantly how it's then helpful to react. Come back to what you were saying earlier about the listening and kindness, and then mm. that kind of gives that re- role reversal and seeing what it's like when someone is dismissive, and then what's like when someone's actually open to chatting about it and the impact that can have. So that was a really interesting thing to have there as well. But it looked like the art tour as well that that Sean did. That like it went brilliantly. The art tour was
2: uh, was phenomenal. Like it was absolutely brilliant, and to the point where um. Alan Cumming retweeted everything because uh, one of the portraits people were talking about was this amazing portrait of Alan Cumming. I don't know who the original artist was, um, but yeah, I thought that was great. That just was people so kind incredible. of really engaging that. Like, I mean, during when like, we were having lunch yesterday, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we've made it, we've made it." <laughs>
2: Sean was Sean was over the moon. Sean, who never shows any excitement, sent me a message saying, me. "Yeah, I bet.
0: That So, was um, so incredible.
2: But it was it was also just a really such a great event. I like. There's been such a big strong theme of. Arts within all the stuff that people are kind of focusing on this year as well. Mm-hmm. Using arts to kind of have these conversations.
1: Yeah. And not just, you know, music as well, but we also had Kirsty, uh, one of our youth volunteers, doing some spoken word poetry Amazing. which was really, really cool. I think just in the setting as well that we were in, it was like a stunning set and yeah. you know, lots of different interesting people passing through that we were having conversations mm-hmm. with and giving resources to and yeah, it was just yeah it's yeah. magical It's <laughs> a
0: brilliant way to talk isn't it like she is talking and she's sharing something really personal, but in such a i guess beautifully structured way it was it was great. She did an amazing thing where um
2: i mean all of it's amazing a lot of the a lot of the poems were specifically about kind of like living with with mental illness um but she did, I think it was her last poem, and she almost kind of, almost apologised before saying it, saying this isn't really about mental health, this is just about talking. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, it was the best one. It was all about getting a family together on Sunday and having those conversations and how that's a really great thing for just kind of having it. And I was like, that's spot on. That is exactly what Time to Talk Day is about.
1: Sunday blethers, is not it? Yeah, that yeah. was it, Sunday yeah. blethers. That was a great
0: one. Um, and um, she was, yeah, she blew me away. It was yeah. brilliant. She was brilliant. And I get everything the volunteers have done has been so diverse and then obviously time to talk can't not mention the time to talk tour so mm-hmm. karen and Suzanne, <laughs> so the third year they've done it um i'm not very good at maths but it's, I, it's, That's three, yeah. about, third means three, yeah, <laughs> three. <laughs> yeah, is that what that means i was wondering <laughs> but yeah i think they've done what about. <laughs> about 700 miles each time so they've done what well, was actually I was so sorry sorry that's about 2100 miles they've done over the 3 years across Scotland round Scotland a little bit in England Scotland, Scotland, this year was a little ten bit minutes in England, in yeah, ten in England um, just starting conversations all over the place and i love this year um, they had they took the Would You Rather theme to another level and actually got people to choose which route they'd rather they took around Scotland. So I think they had... It could have been 500 miles. It ended up being about 750 because every time people were like, long route, go the long <laughs> route.
2: But then wasn't there also one point where there was like choose which route and then there was the secret wrong way route, yeah.
0: which took, added on like uh, hundreds of miles as well and ended up like past the... Uh, yeah. Nevis And all that, but that's brilliant. But yeah, they had... They were out, they were chatting to people in... Shopping centres. They were in Inverness, Aberdeen, Dundee, Edinburgh. They were down in Gretna as well, in the town centre. And I think and they took uh, a linked to the posters this year. They took a a balloon or like a blow up jellyfish with them. Which.
1: They made it from scratch. It was they like, made it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like made out of paper and had eyes. Or... Oh,
0: I might have been less vocal about how much it scared me if I don't <laughs> ever been <laughs> into making it. I thought they just bought it. Scared. This and
1: they called it Gili. Gili.
0: Gili baby.
1: Gili baby. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was. It did look a lot like what was on the poster as well. I think that was the game that's <laughs> oh. oh. uh, such a weird coincidence i didn't think we
1: were doing a roast sorry
2: this is the more professional podcast <laughs> i do okay yeah keep it uh,
0: Yeah. so yeah then i think it looked like their setup looked great and I had, again loads of conversations the two of them are so great yeah. at starting conversations and bringing that bit of humor into it as well um had a little chat with them just before they went away as well, um, just on why they were doing the tour, As you've got now.
4: I think many of the issues in terms of stigma and the discrimination that comes off the back of that in relation to mental health is due to lack of understanding and awareness. Um, so sharing stories about mental health and, and, and lived experience really helps people to understand that we all have mental health. Mental health isn't about mental illness per se, we all have mental health. Um, and sometimes we can become ill in terms of mental health, just like we can become ill with our physical health. That may be a chronic illness, it may be an acute illness, but it can affect any of us at any time. And opening up about that, sharing our experiences, um, talking to one another about that, and normalising the fact that mental illness comes along Um, and impacts on our mental health just as any other aspect of our health can be affected by illness um, means that people feel comfortable when something happens to them to go and seek help and part of the problems we have is that with the stigma that has been linked to mental health historically people haven't gone for help and have suffered when they didn't need to so for me talking is a great way to make this an, an everyday conversation, just like we would talk about any other aspect of our health.
0: Brilliant. And then Susie, final one for you then, building on that slightly. For you, in your opinion, how does talking help to tackle stigma around mental health problems?
5: Um, I, think it, I think when we're talking about um, something that can be quite personal and quite difficult, I, it kind of goes in the old saying that my mum used to say, a problem shared is a problem halved. And I genuinely believe that if you talk to the right person, um, it's, it's not just about, it has to be your right person. It's not just about talking to anybody. It's about feeling confident and secure enough to share, share what's happening for you. And I think conversations that, Caring conversations, meaningful conversations, um, I think are extremely powerful because it allows somebody to be heard. It allows somebody to feel that somebody's actually taking the time to care and to want to know how to help. And actually, just taking the time to listen to the person that's talking to you can actually be a huge step for change in that person because you might be the first person that has ever actually sat and listened that's not just went how you doing or do you want to talk while they're walking away or while they're doing another task they've actually sat down and took the time to care and for me personally having needed somebody like that and you spoke to somebody like that that's certainly um, how I feel change happens so I think it's crucial, crucial um, element of well-being and tackling stigma and discrimination is that we have these difficult conversations. Okay,
0: so that nearly brings us to the end of this episode, uh, and the last thing and most important thing to say, which Davy has just said quietly, and I'm going to say loudly, and now pretend it's my idea, is just how yeah important time to talk day is. Really what we see it as for people it's a start to having conversations, to start talking if you've not done it before, to start creating these kind of open, welcoming, friendly cultures where people feel they can chat about their mental health. Um, or if you already are talking about it, a real peak in the day to get more people to encourage them to get involved. But it's a start and it's not just one day. The time to talk day was last Thursday, but then last Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the rest of the year, carry on these conversations or if you didn't manage to start it on that day but you're inspired by it then start one today have a conversation with someone if you see they're struggling or if you're struggling or even if they're not just having these more open conversations about mental health in general is going to help tackle the stigma around having mental health problems and that's a really important thing yeah Hooray hey time's day. all right,
1: right. 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 right.
0: clicks Click
2: for
1: Nick
2: clicks for, Click for D
1: I can't click my fingers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jackson and claps for Davey.
1: <laughs> Alright, I think that's going on for long enough. That's, that, that's plenty. <laughs> bye, thanks, bye. See you later.
0: Bye.